You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. The content of this radio show is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Welcome to One Soul Radio, an interactive conscious conversation grounded in psychology and inspired by spirit with Steve Hassenberg and Kelly Alpert. Welcome, dear friends, to One Soul Radio here on Unity Online Radio. This is the show for you and by you, a virtual community creating conscious conversation and the opportunity to have a place to delve a little bit deeper in life than you may do on your own, offering you a unique perspective from both worlds at the same time. I'm Callie Alpert here in the central Hudson Valley in New York with my dear friend, co-host and spiritual psychotherapist, Steve Hassenberg. Hello. Hey, Callie. Hi. It's 82 degrees in sunny LA. <laughs> I'm so tired of the heat. I know. You really are the weather person. I, I am the weather life, person. You're the weather person. But the weird thing today is I'm feeling very hungry. Oh, really? Yeah. For? Words of affirmation. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Well, maybe we can help you. Maybe because you to- can. Today, we are focusing on the five love languages, of which the one that you just said, words of affirmation, is one of them. People express and experience love in uniquely different ways, and the five love languages aim to help unify those differences. Originally created for romantic partners to better communicate, the five love languages can also be applied, according according to us, to friendships, <laughs> familial relationships, I think we've co-opted, and even relationship with oneself. So today we're going to break down the love languages, hopefully with a fresh twist, and share some personal stories of successes and failures with each of them, as well as offer some action steps to help you rise to a new level of love speak. So, you know, this is a term that I only recently, I I understand the concept, but I've only recently become familiar with the um, terminology of love language, right? Was this something that like was um, coined just by the whoever whatever organization sort of owns this concept or was it something that was more widely used in psychology or couples no. therapy or whatever no they did it and they mm-hmm. you know the, the whoever and i don't remember and i should do you remember who wrote the five love languages um no we will check before the end of the oh. show how's that okay We'll have our researcher check and tell us in our ear. I wish it were me, but it wasn't. <laughs> and uh, certainly these qualities, which you'll mention, mm-hmm. have been around for a long time. But nobody made the connection between what, it's, what you need and what somebody else needs. Right. And so they made that connection to make it easier to understand your partner and you have your partner understand you. And that's a good thing. And then we decided that we would branch out because um, it feels like these can be used more broadly for people, not just in romantic relationship, but in friendships and family dynamics. I mean, some of them might apply differently or not apply as much, certainly. Um, and also relationship with yourself to some degree. Right. So we wanted to make sure that we were sort of representing all corners of relationships, or at least broaden it, broaden it, broaden the scope out a little bit. Um, the other thing, as you say that about just whatever the impetus was for them kind of coining this whole idea, is that it reminds me um, of how I think we're conditioned to always do and treat other people the way we want to be treated, at least in relationships, if you want to be talk to a certain way, if you want to be loved a certain way, um, sexually, that was always kind of the old cliche that you, you know, people don't talk about it, but you kind of do what you give cues that you want somebody else, you model what you want somebody else to pick up on behaviorally or whatever. 
And so um, I like the idea of this conversation having been more opened up so that people can actually become more conscious of it and try to integrate it into their lives. Um, It's really true because um, what we do and what our needs are, we think are universal. Right. Right. At least universal in our house. (laughs) Right. But they ain't. (laughs) Right. And I'm also thinking of neurolinguistic programming and uh, where Tony Robbins came from. And in neurolinguistic program, they kind of created the same kind of map, which is some people are visual, right? some people are auditory, and some people are kinesthetic. And if you're talking from a visual point of view to a kinesthetic person, they're going, huh? What? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, the, because- it's the same thing with the love languages. Um, right, because all of those sort of sensorial uh, languages are are different. It's really it's right. interesting when you start paying attention to that. It's cool. So, shall we first like uh, let's name the five love languages, and then we're going to break um, each of them down and talk about them more specifically. Try to offer some stories where we relate to them. Um, so, the first one is I'll list them first, and then we'll go back and we'll kind of okay. talk about them more specifically. How's that? Okay. Um, so the first one is um, words of affirmation, um, physical touch. These are in no particular order. Quality right. time, acts of service, and gifts or small gestures of giving. Um, now, there's a test on the website of the five love languages, and you and I both took it. Yes, so do you we want to did. Sh- we did. And do you want to share your results first? We both failed. <laughs> Is that what we did? <laughs> so uh, I came in first with 30. <laughs> I came first, in first period, just first ever. <laughs> I have to be first mm-hmm. with 33% on words of affirmation. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what you got on words of affirmation. Um, you know what? I'm going to look because I don't even remember how my percentage is here in front of me. So I've got to like, um, I've got to look for them. But why don't you continue with yours? And then I'll track mine down. Oh, okay. So um, I kind of knew that was the, no, I didn't know if number one was touching and like to be touched. Mm-hmm. That was my number two coming in at 28%. Mm-hmm. Or it was going to be words of affirmation, but words of affirmation won. And uh, were you surprised when that was the one no, that uh, dictated? I I really liked to hear that about myself. Mm-hmm. And what I was telling you in our production meeting was that I got both sides of that coin growing up. Mm-hmm. So I got a lot of words of affirmation from my mother, who adored me. And I got a lot of words of criticism from my father who didn't adore me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I grew up as a schizophrenic. And I had both of these statements going back and forth between right. my left and right hemisphere, right. trying to decide which one was true. But I think I picked the words of disaffirmation, if that's a word, as the ones that were true. Mm. And we should say not literally, you are not and are not schizophrenic, diagnosably so, although your sister was, but that's a sidebar for now. Well, thank you, Callie. Right? Right. Um, But in terms of just sort of metaphorically, you're getting getting both sides of the continuum in the same. (laughs) Both sides, right? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was very difficult for me. Right. Because when you're growing up, you believe what your parents say. And what my father said with a very loud voice and a very aggressive manner was, you're not okay, Mm -hmm. in a lot of different words. My first, well, I'll go in order. So I'll just, uh, my words of affirmation was my second one. My first one was quality time. And my second one is words of affirmation. So since we're, we'll, we'll 
we'll talk more um, more about this this first uh, the words uh-huh. of affirmation one. And mine was a close second at thirty percent, so pretty close in the similar range to you. And for me, I feel like I also got a lot of mixed signals because I got a lot of words of encouragement in my household. Even if things were bothering me or even if physically something I was self-conscious about, there was always, especially from my mother, always some reframe of why it was positive or why it meant I was beautiful or why it meant it was, I was smart. Um, and yet behaviorally, because I was growing up with a mother with mental illness um, are the dynamic in the household was way more about her being priority, her being seen, her words mattering, and us also learning to coddle and kind of dance or navigate around that. And so I don't know how much intellectually, I think a lot of what I heard seeped in, but my inner narratives in a deeper way, I think were not that they were contradictory, similarly to what you experienced. You um, and I had the same upbringing. We did in New Jersey, even though we both didn't know in each New other. Jersey, mm-hmm, few towns. Maybe away from we each had other. the same parents. <laughs> we perhaps are related in cosmic spirit world. Right, it would make sense. Yeah, um, but I think that words of affirmation feels like um, it feels like something I think a lot of people can connect with, and and if they stop for a moment, um, would would agree that they also or connect with that they it's something that they need and something that they really feel is a priority in a relationship whether it's romantic one or friendship because it it suggests also not only it suggests that we're being heard and that we're being seen and ultimately i think every human being really wants that i would agree as a matter of fact i try to do that with my clients Mm -hmm. i don't do it to blow smoke Mm -hmm. but if i'm feeling something in the moment about them that's really cool or uh, something they really need to hear, I will say it. And uh, I'll give them a compliment or multiple compliments. And they'll go, really? Mm -hmm. You really feel that way? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think when when we hear compliments, we're like, is that really true about me? I like that. Well, that's the other thing is learning to receive the affirmation, the praise or the compliment. That's like the flip side of it, you know? Um, I want to say, uh, also, I forgot to mention that we always love to hear from our um, listeners. And if anybody would like to join us today for some feedback, any story sharing, questions, advice that you'd like, the number is 816-251-3555. So yeah, I think I also, I'm really big on doling out the words of affirmation, I'm realizing. And it's probably because it's something that's pretty deeply ingrained in me that I need and desire. Um, so in some ways it's always the healer, heal thyself, right? You give out what it is that you want from the world. Um, and sometimes it can make us pretty professed at doing that because it's what we hunger to get in return or that we feel like we're lacking or hurting for. It's interesting how that happens. It's so true. And I, I told you this a long time ago, but I've made it a point when I'm on the phone with, uh, Spectrum or Verizon oh, mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. to t- if I've gotten a really good service I've made it a point to tell them how good they were mm-hmm. and then I want to talk to the supervisor <laughs> so they can get a raise mm-hmm. and uh, I've done that yeah people love that yeah um, as have I I'm big on I'm big proponent of that as well like just the follow through of making sure that uh, people get recognized and just the nice sort of juju that that emits into the air. And it's an, and it's a good deed, you know, it's definitely, it's a good deed. Um, So before we take our first caller, let's talk about my first one, which is quality time at 33%. So it just scrapes by my words of affirmation. My second one, quality time for you is your third Word. one, right? Quality time for me it's your third is one. number three. Yes. Right. So quality time came in. It was interesting. I, you know, to me, some, a few of these are so close um, because they're all very interconnected to each other. Um, but quality time and on this quiz, it really talked about like un, unadulterated, uninterrupted, attentive time. And so it really 
it, it definitely made sense to me. You know, I, um, my mom, when we were growing up, my mom was, oh, it was around where she was a substitute art teacher. She wasn't a full-time, um, working lady. So she was around a lot, but we were still latchkey kids or like we're sent to the babysitter's house sometimes after school. But my, and my dad was always working. Um, and, you know, I don't know how this really informed me. I'm not sure that I'm super conscious of it. Cause I feel like I had a lot of, um, logistical, like physical time, but I also know that it's probably one of my deepest chords is about not feeling like I had the presence of mind of my parents for very, for different reasons. And so the idea of someone being present, I had, um, uh, my most recent boyfriend, um, actually who was a lovely, lovely guy still is, I'm sure. I just haven't talked to him in a while. Um, but one of the things that drove me bonkers that I really had an issue with is he was always on his phone, even if it was with me, like showing me pictures or pointing out a reference. And it drove me bonkers, probably number one, cause I don't resonate with that. And number two, cause I just wanted to look him in the eye. I didn't need like visual aids, but that, you know, that's more of what he appreciated and how his brain worked for me. It meant that we weren't having quality, like time with each other, being super present with each other. So I guess quality time, it comes in so many different forms, you know? You know, there's an interesting thing from parenting in psychology, which a lot of people know now, but it was very new about 20 years ago, which has so much to do with um, being present Mm -hmm. and quality time, which was parents get on the floor with your children. Same level. Because if you're not, you're looking up. And you're some kind of another, you're in another world. And so it's such a simple thing, Mm. but it made such a difference in terms of parenting skills. Interesting. Child feels quality time when you're on the floor with them. My daughter felt quality time when I was on the floor with her, (laughs) but also playing pretty princess and (laughs) she could paint my nails and put bows in my hair. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you looked marvelous. I was cool. All right. Well, next time you find a picture, we'll have to put that on our Facebook or on our uh, Instagram. Um, so let's take our first caller of the day, shall we? Yes. Caller, hi, are you there? Hi, is that me? That's you. Hi, what's your name and where are you calling from? Hi. Hi, my name is Nikki and I'm calling from San Diego. How are you? Hi, we're doing well. Thanks for joining us today. Do you know the five love languages? I do. I do. I know what mine are, and um, I do. And I, I think they're helpful. Like I think all of those kind of profiling, you know, I sort of take it with a grain of salt, but I do think it's helpful to know. And um, my husband and I, my late husband and I, were, were very different. So I'm, um, I don't remember exactly which order, but my top two are, well, I'm words of affirmation, I think is my mm-hmm. number one. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also quality time and physical touch. Mm-hmm. And my late husband was, um, he didn't take the test, but, but you know, no, he was gone. He couldn't take the test, but <laughs> I took it for him. Um, <laughs> and uh, his main one was actually acts of service, which is um, really different. And then I think quality time and physical touch. And so I just found that it's actually really helpful just to kind of interpret. So, for instance, you know, I'm the one always like, similar to Steve, and I'm always reflecting back to people. Everybody, I meet every stranger, I typically have something positive to say about them. And But I'm the one leaving the little notes everywhere. You know, you open the closet, you open the briefcase, and there's a note, mm-hmm. <laughs> a note for mm-hmm. me. <laughs> mm-hmm. But my husband was acts of service, so it really helped to know that. So, like, he in 25 years, I don't think he ever said I'm sorry, but he, like, would cook me a roast, and he would cook for me. And <laughs> he would mm-hmm. Shop and and um, you know if he was if, if if there was something he should have apologized for I'd come home to to a feast but it it helped like I when I would leave uh, the door let's say at night to go out I wanted to hear oh my God I love you you're the most important thing in the whole world I can't mm-hmm. live a minute without you make sure you come back which he didn't say <laughs> any of that but he would say things like be careful when you walk to your car, make sure somebody walks to your car. Don't go to your car alone, which was like mm. protective. And even though that mm. wasn't a physical act of service, that's how mm. I could see him envisioning in his mind 
like trying to do something or take care of me or make sure I was okay. And mm-hmm. it helped to know that because then I could say, oh, that is him saying I love you and you're important. But it wasn't with the words that as a uh, affirmation person that I was looking for. So I think it's helpful. Yeah, it's really, I think it's interesting. Thank you for that, Nikki. That's um, so good. Yeah, it is. I think that um, it is really helpful just to, you know, the more you talk about these, they all seem really basic and obvious, but I think the difference is when you're, you identify them um, with yourself and in your own relationships and you just kind of give them words, it helps to become a little bit more conscious. I am, um, mm-hmm. and Steve, I, I pose this to you. I, I hesitate to be too, um, stereotypic and sort of gender identification right now in this conversation. And yet I feel like there that's, that's very common in the difference between um, men and women mm-hmm. is that often in relationship, a man feels like there's a sense of worth and purpose and doing something for, or being a, a, a expressing an act of service Um Whereas women, again, I'm totally generalizing right now, um, but I like to be mindful of, you know, these stereotypes are definitely dissolving um, as the years go by um, that women are more about the emotional validation and men are more about the practical um, expression. In in general, that is Mm -hmm. very true. Mm -hmm. Just like men like solutions. Mm -hmm. And provide solutions way too fast often. <laughs> Wanting and to fix things. women like to talk about things and mull them around and express their feelings. And, and men get kind of antsy about that if it goes on too long. So, yes, very true. Um, yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's just fascinating how we all express ourselves based on again, what our, like what our comfort level is, but, um, thank you for that, Nikki. Very, very interesting. Um, what else do we want to say about quality time? Um, you know, I'm thinking again about how in our family growing up, cause I do think that our relationship with these different five dynamics, are born at a very early age. We could say that most things Mm -hmm. are born from our family of origin. That would be reasonable, right? That I think about um, how, again, we had like a lot of fun in our family. You know, we were always doing like fun day trips and art projects and music and art and um, just very active with, you know, great throwing, my parents were always throwing these great parties and, you know, everything was, um, we were dancing in the living room, playing piano and singing, you know, there's always a lot of that in my household. And yet when it came to sort of the presence of mind of feeling like just seen and heard from an emotional level, which was what I needed as a little idealistic little girl, um, I now know that I didn't get that. And so uh, it's just interesting to sort of learn how we define what quality time looks like. Is it just having fun or is it just making sure that somebody is present in your space? Totally agree on that. I mean, for me, quality time, I had a lot with my mom. Right. And I didn't want to have quality time with my father because he didn't know how to create quality. Mm. Right. And he was so critical that I didn't want to be around him. But I was t- telling you this in our production meeting that I was pestering him, I think, for six months. Can we go to the Yankees game in Brooklyn? <laughs> and no, no tickets, no tickets, no tickets. One day I saw him coming home and I went outside. He said, I got tickets for us. Hmm. And I remember being so thrilled that I just grabbed him and wrapped my arms around him and he took my arms away and he said settle down Mm. you know what how that feels when you're a kid it's like settle down what i was i was like you are naturally and automatically expressing your love and excitement and dad says stop it thank you yeah do you remember how you felt? I remember now, but I, I, certainly 
I can go back. Some moments are etched in our memories. Right. That's an etched moment. Mm. You know, that made a large impression on me that this is not a, uh, a safe person. This person, something wrong with this person, but I thought it was me. That'll definitely inform a lot. Do you remember like now looking back, do you feel like that informed? Because I mean, we're going to get to um, momentarily, we'll get to our, our next um, love language uh, scores. Um, but to tease up, I know that physical touch is a big one for you. It's one of your top three. I think it was your second one or second one, perhaps. Have to it look. is number um, two. So do you remember if that, um, did that do a number on you? Did it change it was the course one, of your relationship it, with touch? It was kind of one of a number. Yeah. You know what they say about children, it takes a lot of um, consistent experiences to create a particular uh, trauma. And I'd actually like to talk about that when we come back. So we're talking about love languages, the five love languages. We've broached two, two and a half. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the other ones. We'll take your calls and we'll hear a little bit more about Steve's theory. We will be right back. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to One Soul Radio with Steve Hassenberg and Kelly Alpert. Welcome back, everybody, to One Soul Radio here on Unity Online Radio. We are talking about the five love languages, and um, it's interesting because historically the five love languages have been probably used more in romantic relationships, and we're trying to broaden it out today to um, relationships with our friends, with our families, and with ourselves. Maybe we could talk a little more about some of the examples of how we can reframe these to use with, you know, with ourselves. So we've started with, we kind of dipped into a few of them, but um, just to repeat our test results, mine and Steve's, and we'll give you the website again at the end of the show, in case you'd like to find your own love language. It's a fun test for free. It takes a few minutes of your day. Um, So let's see, Steve's results, his top percentage, which was about 33% ish was words of affirmation as your first one. Whereas my first one was quality time. And then second for you was physical touch. And second for me was words of affirmation. Third for you was quality time. Third for me was physical touch. And then our fourth and our fifth are, um, have, are, have the come in the same order of the same sort of similar percentages, which is service and gifts. And, um, so that sort of rounds out our, uh, our list. So we talked about words of affirmation. I'd like to go back to that before we move into our, um, our other two, two to three words of affirmation. We talked about how, um, how important it is, how we all desire that and how it's important to share it with other people. But I think a lot of us need help in giving it to ourselves, right? Those inner yes. narratives. And um, that's something that's not an easy, it doesn't come as naturally and reflexively to a lot of us. Um, you so, want to hear my little story? Yeah, sure. So I was working with a very famous Hollywood actress. And, His name uh, is, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and one of her big issues was that nobody ever asked her out because they were very afraid of her. They mm. were afraid to ask somebody, a list actress, very attractive person out. And so she was, she said, I'm home almost every night, wow. especially Saturday and Sunday nights, unless I'm going out with friends. Mm-hmm. 
Anyway, um, we talked about how she felt about herself, speaking of words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. And I said, let's write some down that you have for yourself, because this is going to be important to get you out dating again. And she sat, sat, sat. I didn't say anything. After about eight minutes, I don't have any. I don't have any words of affirmation. Mm. And it was in that moment that I created a technique that I've used for years, which is having people write down 25 qualities about themselves mm -hmm. that they really like or love about themselves. And then what I do with that is that they cut those things up like fortune cookies and they put it in a beautiful bowl and every day for six weeks they pull one out and they remember one of their words of affirmation and they live as if it were true how did she do with that she actually did well but uh -huh. she, it took a lot of encouragement yeah, it's definitely, it's again, it's a practice. It's an exercise because you're retraining, you're writing these stories, you're writing new lines of affirmation for yourself. You are. It's always easier to dole it out to other people, isn't it? We have a caller on the line. Caller, are you there? I'm here. Hi. Hi. What's your name and where are you calling from? Welcome. I'm Jan and I'm calling from Los Angeles. Uh, this I love this show. Oh, good. Um, Thank did you. you. Do you know about the five love languages or do you, do you relate? Do you know which ones well, you know, relate to? I, I know now. I know now. <laughs> I know before. And I love the fortune cookie thing. I'm going to absolutely do that. But two things have come up for me. When the guy took my call, I said, I have a burning question. So what is it? We like you, burning questions around here. You, Please ask. Do you feel, do you feel that the deficit we experience as a child in the exchanges of love language with parents mm. and siblings, if there are any, creates a hole inside of us that we spend the majority of our life mm. trying to heal because this is what has driven me. If I find someone that speaks a different love language, I can't stay with them. Mm. Wow. Well, I would answer with a burning yes to your question before we hear Steve's professional <laughs> response. You know, I mean, what I know, I mean, just my, you know, my, my layman experience, right. And my own work and everything is that, yeah, I think that all of these um, models and concepts are taught to us by our, at very young ages, by our families of origin and whatever gets modeled to us. And that mm -hmm. I do think that then when you get older, um, that the magic of subconscious and karma and whatever else pops up that, you know, all the mirrors start showing up in our lives, right? Mm -hmm. That mirror, mm -hmm. all the things that need extra love and attention. And usually those are the holes and the wounds that have been ingrained in there for a long time. Now I'd like to hear and from whose the responsibility professional. Is it, is it, is it, whose responsibility is it? Ours? Because we, I project that response to when I was younger, not so much now project that onto the partner I'm with. It's your job. To fix it, you mean, or to meet it? Yeah, to meet it. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. used to be to fix it. Now it's more to meet it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I have a fire yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to take it up with a couple of notches. From a spiritual point of view, and from a soul point of view, we do, we do, with the help of the souls of our parents, uh, create some of these very difficult situations in order to um, catalyze fears that ha we have been carrying with us from lifetime to lifetime. That doesn't make it easy, doesn't make it fun, it's often painful, but there is a soul-driven purpose 
for many of these things that happen. So if you take the love languages and you can apply them to, uh, let's say, highly conscious or more conscious people, who, individuals who get into a relationship, they're going to be trying to work out the differences in a way that creates some resolution because they've come together in order to work out differences. They fell in love to work out differences. They fell in love to evolve together. And we don't evolve if everything is perfect, even though we would love everything to be perfect. <laughs> that sounds good. Right? So what you're saying is right on one level, and then the other levels have to do with soul evolution and human evolution and why we take birth, which is a bigger topic. And I'm happy to go into that too. Your favorite topic. One of your favorites. <laughs> does that, how does that framing sound to you, Jan? Oh, oh, it's just amazing. And what I'm really taking away is we fell in love to work out differences. Now, that takes two. That's incredible. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jan. Thank you for sharing Thank that. You. We hope this is helpful. Thanks for joining us today. Fabulous. Thank you so much. So uh, <laughs> let me just add to that a yeah, tad. Please. We fall in love because we've been in love before. And that love that we've had before and the chemistry that we've had before comes forward. And then we have in love chemistry. Mm -hmm. But that in love chemistry is a bit of a disguise. Right. It's a little fleeting. Right. And, and so it's a lure. Come on in. <laughs> it's not as good as you think it's going to be. But there are amazing possibilities if you can let go of your ego and you can really listen, if you can really be patient, if you can really love, if you really can have compassion and you're going to have a love with somebody that is going to be extraordinary. Now, can we apply that to friendships again with an eye toward this, not just being about romantic relationships. Can you apply it to friendships or to a relationship with a child, for example? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. Just checking. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I guess the same, sort of same thing applies. It's just, it's an opportunity. The investment might be different. The intimacy levels might be different. You're not sharing right. a house. And in, in theory, we're talking about, you know, when you're sharing more intimate space with people and romantic relationships. Um, but, you know, I mean, I know with me, I try to approach all of my relationships from a similar place, which is to keep them as clean and deep and rich and honest and authentic as possible. And so I look at everybody who pops up in my life almost too much sometimes to my, probably to my disadvantage, certain people that might not warrant the amount of attention that I give to some of these dynamics. But if you look at everything as an opportunity that, like you said, it's a mirror that's coming up from a deeper place that we're, our higher self is actually placing there. Um, it can be a really powerful thing to try to find that common ground and to look at it as a learning opportunity versus a, uh, you know, dissimilarity or whatever. Right. And no doubt everybody who's been in relationships have been, has been brought to their knees. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And you beg for mercy. <laughs> I won't ask you the last time you had to beg for mercy on the spot, <laughs> but your speech sounds like you really mean it when you say that. Um, so I think that that's really, yeah, that that's really very interesting and really helpful sort of as a, you know, just as a, as an angle. So physical touch for you, uh, we, we broached this a little bit earlier, but let's move into it a little bit more deeply for you. That was number two. I know that's a very big one for you. It's very tactile. I'm also a big tactile person and touch and affection is, is very big for me as well. Mine was, um, it came in third for you it was second. Um, so where were your earliest lessons when it came to physical touch? tactile yeah so um you know let's take a moment 
and thank <laughs> to my honor father, our parents <laughs> and thank my father especially <laughs> mm-hmm. for giving me so much material mm-hmm. that has informed my therapy practice and now the radio show mm-hmm. thank you dad thank you dad thank you mom thank you mom <laughs> so being highly sensitive it's another thing we could have talked to jan about very highly sensitive children who are born into families with insensitivity is a friggin' horror show yeah, for that child. That. Yeah. For that child. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. Mm-hmm. So if tactileness is one of my high uh, energies, and my father was tactile by punishing me and hitting me. You can imagine a sensitive child being hit often unnecessarily because of his dad's anger at life in general. All kinds of things I could say right now, but I'm not. Um, it goes deep. Yeah, and mixed signals. Mixed so, w- w- right, which one wins? Right. You have the warmth of one, you know, your parent that you're closer with and rage and violence from the other. Right. Which one wins and which one do you take along with you and which one do you have to work on? I won't say fighting, but un- for unpacking. That's right. Right. And for you, it turned you into a pacifist. How did you know that? A bird told me, named Steve, when we were doing pre-production on the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's true. I kind of tucked myself away because I didn't feel that I would be received. Right. Uh, Dad represents kind of the world at large. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of tucked myself away for quite a while. Mm. You know, I grew up, again, very um, thinking like my parents for all the craziness and tumult that to this day we're experiencing with them in their old age, really on paper hit the mark of every single one of these love languages. It's so interesting. And then underneath the surface, you know, the words versus the modeling, huge disparities. It's really very interesting as I'm just sort of, you know, uh, internalizing this in a different way as we move through these different stages here, different steps. But I had um, extreme affection in my family from both my parents. Um, I'm extremely affection. I've always been extremely comfortable with the concept of touch, um, unless it's from like some stranger invading your space. Um, and yet I have like, uh, you know, like even to this day, my mom, when I do see her, always wants me to come closer and hold her hand or hug her. And sometimes I'll make a point of doing it because I know she doesn't get a lot of that. But often based on our dynamic and me trying to take care of myself, I don't feel that energy toward her anymore. Um, And so it's sort of, it's, it's mirroring back in a loud way, sort of in full circle, the disparity that I learned in my, you know, in my family growing up, it's sort of interesting, um, just as I sort of talk it out, you know. Um, I remember something else. Yeah, what? So I remember that my mother, we would, I would come visit. I was living in California and would visit New Jersey. And after, when I was leaving, she never wanted to hug me. And I thought, wow, this is so weird. And uh, at some point I brought it up with her and she had to think about it for a while. And she said, you know what? I don't want to hug you because I don't want to feel that much Mm -hmm. because you're leaving. Yeah. And I think I would feel bad for days. Mm. Right. So at least she was aware of it. At least she could right. answer the question. Right. That's honest and understandable. <laughs> might not be what, you know, might not be what you connect with, obviously, but um, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, the other thing too, is just the idea of like, you know, I have very, a lot of spatial sensitivities. This is a little bit of a digression, but um, for somebody who loves affection and physical touch is very comfortable with it. I also have intense sensitivities about people like the space around me. And, you know, I'm sure we've all experienced this where a stranger, you could have one stranger who's like in your physical space in whatever context and might, you know, somebody you meet for the first time for five minutes and they touch your hand and it's perfectly fine and it feels good. And it's just, you know, humanity at its best. And then another person could do the exact same thing. And it's the most like repulsive thing 
it's so interesting how there's a chemical component, or maybe it's a karmic component to this as energetic component. I don't know. Right. And then there are those moments, which I remember very vividly, of people I was around who I wanted to touch desperately. Mm. And I didn't. <laughs> but women, I was just going to say, are you talking about objectifying women back in your more Casanova days? <laughs> yes. Okay. Just checking. And Whenever I was around them, I just wanted to touch them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's it. I think that's a different show, <laughs> isn't it? Sure <laughs> or maybe, I don't know. Did it have, you know, I'm not going to judge what, whatever your intentions were, <laughs> but I'm just asking if it fits into the same category where we're talking about, if it feels like the same, like just a different version of you, but an, in relation another to another angle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the, the two that were the lowest on our list, which again, you know, are all very important acts of service, which we talked a little bit with our caller, Jan, earlier, and gifts, the idea of small gestures. So let's talk a little bit about acts of service and what that means, right? Because it really, in, in, the, in the scheme of love languages, uh, reflects the idea of being um, helpful, of being of service as a little formal, being dutiful, being purposeful making gestures, helping somebody with more practical efforts. Yeah, I, you know, um, to boast a little. Please. I think I'm very good at acts of service. Mm -hmm. You know, I really, uh, I'm very keen on what people would like if I'm doing something for them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that started when I was seven. Right, because you you know how to read a room, so you're I know extremely it. aware of people's needs. Whether it's I need affirmation right now, I need right. you to touch me, I need you to be of service, like it's sort of yeah, right. And I yeah. remember these things, not those words, but these things going through like a ticker tape in my brain. What does my sister need now? Mm. What does my mother need now? What is my father asking for? What is my mom? It was just constant. Mm-hmm. How can I save this crazy family? I connect with that deeply. And it's taken a lot of time and work and effort. And I still have to catch myself very actively being amongst friends or in a room full of people in whatever capacity, because my reflex is exactly that based on how I was trained in the world as well. Um, as somebody who reads the room really, really, really sensitively and carefully um, and also makes it about other people. And I've had to really, and that's a beautiful thing. I mean, obviously like, you know, we like giving and like being to show up for people and be um, of service, but also what's that moment where you catch yourself saying, I need to be of service for myself first and make sure my own cup is filled up and that I'm being purposeful and useful for me when you're made extremely the opposite as we both were in our, our training grounds coming up in the world. So again, it works both ways. You know, if we want to yet again, remind people that we're trying to relate this, not just to um, a romantic partner, but also to ourselves and to our family and to our friends. I think that there's a balance. I think a lot of people are not as um, dutiful to themselves as they are to others. And I think it's, I think ultimately the more dutiful you are to yourself, the more dutiful you can be to others. But the, when you learn it the other way around, it gives the illusion that, being giving and generous in and of itself is a virtue. And that's not Actually, to say that, sorry, I'm just gonna, that's not to say that giving without wanting or receiving is not a beautiful thing. Cause that's probably the ultimate sort of spiritual level of giving is giving with no expectations or desire to get anything back. But we're making a point that you also need to be good to yourself. You bet. And that's the adage from Buddhism. Mm-hmm. Be a good friend to yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's a very, very high place to be. Yep. And it takes a lot of inner work and persistence and commitment to be that good friend who's supporting rather than denigrating. Yes. Yes. I like how you said that. And then finally, Gifts. And now we're both Leos. So, you know, on paper, we love gifts. I'm a half a Leo. <laughs> yeah, you're a cusper. Um, well, I'll take the other half because I'm a full on many planet Leo. And I like Leos I, a lot. 
I love gifts and, you know, we like sparkly things and all those things. Neither of us are materialistic. Um, but we're also speaking for both of us because we share a lot of this. We're both great gift givers, very thoughtful gift givers, givers and derive a lot of pleasure out of that. Um, but what's your relationship with the idea of, of gifts in relationship from anybody in your life? Clearly, it's on the it's the bottom of our li- list, like the last. It's the bottom seven. of both of our lists, Yeah, it's the right? last one. Actually, mine was 7%. Service was 10% and gifts, receiving gifts was 7%. I don't even know what mine was, but um, do I enjoy gifts usually at Christmas or I'll usually say, I don't really need anything. Mm -hmm. Or on my birthday, I don't really know what I want. (laughs) But I I almost always, I'll get myself a gift Mm -hmm. on Christmas and my birthday. Mm -hmm. And because... I want to honor myself and get something that I know that I would really, really love. <laughs> Isn't that kind of wild? Yeah, it's. I remember the first time I bought myself. I remember what it was, and it was such yeah. a concept. Like, oh, I'm going to buy this thing. And it was a photograph, actually, of John Lennon and Yoko Ono that I bought at a gallery out in like the in, deep in Long Island, the end of Long Island. And I thought, oh, I'll justify it because my birthday is around the corner. And then I thought, this is a thing. Like, I'm going to start doing this. And I'd buy myself something a little extra special every year. Often it's like a pamper or some experience, you know. Um, but um, And the idea of giving gifts and creative gift giving is something I think that you and I both enjoy and are pretty good at. I've gone to really crazy great lengths. And I say it only because not as a braggadocious thing, but because it brings me such joy when I have the time and energy, because I don't always to be super, super thoughtful for people that I love and give them things that they would never be able to find or do or experience on their own. You know, it's really, it's, it's fun. It's fun to do that. Um, So shall we get to our action steps as our clock ticks toward the end of our hour today? Um, First one is take the quiz at five lovelanguages.com. So number five lovelanguages.com and discover what languages of love float your boat. Secondly, have a partner or friend take the test and compare your scores, which is kind of what we did today. You will learn what each of you needs from one another, whether your needs are being met or not. And again, just giving this stuff life and giving it a little bit more mindfulness in and of itself is a great um, step in progress, I think, in our relationships. And then thirdly, think back to some of our relationships, some of your relationships that didn't work out. Imagine if your partner or friend understood your most important love language and if this would have changed the outcome. So again, take the quiz at fivelovelanguages.com, number five, lovelanguages.com. Have a friend or partner take the test with you and compare your scores. It could open up a really fun and helpful conversation. And finally, think back to some of the relationships that you've had that didn't work out. And imagine if the other person in that relationship understood what um, your most important love language, if that would have changed the outcome. We want to thank everybody for joining us today. You can find us at on Instagram at One Soul Radio, Unity Online Radio Podcast, and Facebook at One Soul Radio Podcast. Thank you all so much. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.